probably all have to say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of erring on the side of trying to make my plan come to pass or make this promise come to pass, rather than just giving it all over to the Lord in complete surrender and trust. so much for us that if we would just delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our hearts. And we understand that the closer we draw to God, you know, our desires are transformed. You know, even in First John, we read that when we see Jesus, we'll become like Him because we'll see Him as He is. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I'm excited to welcome, over the phone lines, Wes Rayleigh. Wes, how are you doing today? Hey, pretty good, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. I'm excited to talk with you. I think that your area of expertise will be really interesting to a lot of our listeners. You are an author, and you're also a relationship coach. So tell me a little bit about your books, your ministry, and what inspired you to write about that. Well, sure. Thanks, Taylor. Really, the line of relationship coaches sort of secondary to the prophetic ministry the Lord's called me to. Uh, Right now, my two books I've written are about uh, God's will for your life and relationships, Um, but many of the principles are, um, you know, values that are true across the boards, not just specific to relationships. And the main idea or big catalyst, I think, that the Lord has given me um, in recent years uh, and leading up to writing these books has been that... um, He's not the God of disappointment. I have a lot of uh, Christian friends in circles, as you know, many of us do, and uh, I feel like in our day we try to shield ourselves from disappointment, and there's certain things we do um, to almost um, uh, prop, try to prop God up. Like, well, if He doesn't come through, uh, it meant that you know you didn't hear from Him accurately, or maybe that that wasn't the promise He gave you. And those things could be true, but I think. Over time, the Lord has really just placed on my heart the desire to fully trust Him, uh, truly listen to what He's saying, um, believe what He's promising, and walk in our destinies. And so um, the catalyst for these books, really, and all throughout uh, both books, the verse Psalm 37.4, which says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And I have a lot of friends, I had a lot of pushback even in writing these books because uh, they were concerned, and, and rightly so in many ways, that we wouldn't want to overpromise uh, that God has a spouse for everyone, uh, which is true. You know, many have been given the gift of singleness, but their concern was that, you know, maybe that's just a desire you have that's not from the Lord. And while it's true that we always need to surrender and submit our desires to the Lord and allow Him to transform those, the greater reality is that we do have the mind of Christ, and we've been given new hearts under the new covenant. And so we don't have to constantly question our desires. I think the Lord, a lot of times, will actually show you what He's promising by placing a desire within your heart. And so I love that verse because it says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. Um, And so it's not some twisted thing where he's always opposing our desires or or going against what we want. You know, we read from Matthew 7 where Jesus describes the Father as a a father who knows how to give good gifts to his children. And he names a couple things. He says, you know, if you ask for an egg or you ask for a piece of bread, you're not going to get a snake or a scorpion. And his point is that really only a bad father uh, would give their children uh, the opposite of what they're asking for. And so I have four children myself, and I'm coming to understand that 
I want to give them all the things that are healthy for them to have at the stage that they're in. Um, so things that are good for them if they have desires um, that are actually healthy for them, I, I'm happy to fulfill those desires. Um, but there are certain things that are not good for them that they may want. And so obviously those are things that either need to have more maturity before they can receive those things, like, for example, a car, driving a car, or perhaps it's not a healthy desire, and those are things that we're shaping and changing. So um, I can think that's sort of the catalyst for these books. There's a lot of people out there that wonder, you know, I, I, I know, you know, I desire a spouse. Uh, you know, maybe I'm 30 or 40, and, you know, some people have, have waited for so long, and they believe maybe God has promised them or they're starting to doubt that. And I just don't think that we're supposed to automatically question all the desires we have and be, you know, so hyper-introspective that we're missing uh, the fact that God is a loving Father who delights to give good gifts to His children. I think that's a great, I think that's a great message and really important about the nature of God. I am curious, though, you were talking about how we can we can have unhealthy desires. Like, for instance, I'm sure to use the metaphor that you were talking about with your kids, like if your kids were like, I want to do nothing but eat sugar and candy this week, it'd be like, well, that's not a very healthy decision for you to make in your in your life. You, you sincerely want that. That is a desire of yours. Right. It's not good sure. for you. How do you know whether a desire within you is a healthy one or if it's an unhealthy one that ultimately isn't going to benefit you as a person? No, that's a great question, Taylor. First of all, you know, it depends in that scenario about if you're asking the grandparents or the parents, because of the grandparents, then sugar would all be a good thing. We're, we're constantly fighting that battle. But um, on a sincere note, you know, that verse really summarizes so much for us, that if we would just delight ourselves in the Lord, He'll give us the desires of our hearts. And we understand that the closer we draw to God, you know, our desires are transformed. You know, even in First John, we read that when we see Jesus, we'll become like Him because we'll see Him as He is. And so we're transformed into his image from one degree of glory to another, we read in Second Corinthians. So, you know, the point really isn't worrying so much about every motive of our heart, but delighting ourselves in the Lord. I actually think the bigger danger is, are we trying to bring about those desires on our own? Are we trying to force those things to happen? Or are we uh, simply, you know, like children, uh, just resting and delighting in our Father's love and his affection and his arms? You know, I think that our focus actually needs to shift altogether from uh, the desires to actually simple delight in the Lord. And honestly, I think if you take a poll, uh, you know, among most believers, we'd probably all have to say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of erring on the side of trying to make my plan come to pass or make this promise come to pass, rather than just giving it all over to the Lord in complete surrender and trust and learning uh, this um, sort of ambiguous thing, perhaps, of what it looks like to, to delight our entire beings in the Lord. That's a great point. So then you've talked about that God is not the God of disappointment. Right. And that is, that is true. That is an aspect of the character of God. But there are plenty of people who have felt disappointment in their life. As you alluded sure. to when you were talking about, there are people who are 30 or 40 who maybe they've wanted a spouse and— they feel like God hasn't given that to them, and they've been praying for it. For those people, what do you say to them? How do you counsel them to keep them from losing hope? Right. Well, I think there's great compassion, first of all, for someone who has patiently waited and continues to wait. Um, I would say that in the examples you gave there, you know, their story's not over and it's not finished. But for people that we have heard about, the stories that seem like maybe a failure or 
maybe they misheard. Um, I would just caution everyone that their story is not your story. You know, we don't have to put our faith and hope um, in what's happened to somebody else. You know, we have not had their uh, choices, their preparation, the authority in their lives. Uh, we haven't had their experiences. We haven't had their walk with the Lord. And it's just, we can kind of fall into a danger when we start to base our theology, um, how we view, you know, the character of God based on, you know, stories we hear from someone else's life. Um, I do think that we need to have testimonies and be encouraged by what God's doing in others' lives. But, you know, ultimately, I think we can get into a trap when we try to reason our way into why God didn't do something. And so I would think that there'd be great compassion for someone who says, hey, you know, maybe I thought one thing and it was another. I, I think it's very important that we continually um, are open to the Lord uh, leading us and showing us what He's doing right now in our lives. What's the new thing? Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I think there's great compassion for those situations. But honestly, I think that the, the greater issue here is that, that their disappointment is not your disappointment, that we don't need to allow the stories of disappointment that we hear around us sort of compromise our faith or water it down. I think that's a great danger, and the more the enemy can fill our ears with stories of bad things happening or, you know, you know, terrible things happening to a family, the more our faith can become watered down. And so I really just think we have to make sure we understand that our story is very unique with the Lord, and uh, He really cares about us personally for what's going on in our life right now, and so we don't need to get sidetracked by, by some of those things we hear. And, and personally, honestly, you know, things that we just don't understand, I don't think there's a good answer uh, for a lot of things that we may hear about. But I do think that to a degree that speaks to um, what Paul was trying to get at in Philippians 4 when he talks about the peace that passes understanding. You know, it's almost as if um, there's this illustration I use where if you're on the highway and you're, you're stuck behind a semi, I hate getting stuck by, behind semis. In fact, I actually I got in a car accident with a semi just a few weeks ago, so that, that even increases my, my, my issue. But for the illustration purposes, like let's say you're on your way to somewhere. We call it your destiny. And you're on this road, and you're behind this semi. Well, if you zoom out in the picture, um, written on top of the semi is the word understanding. And sometimes we can get stuck behind understanding, which, which basically means we're not going to feel peace, and we're not going to sort of continue on in faith until we can understand at least to a degree. There's a piece that God talks about that passes understanding, that goes around that understanding. And we find out in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, that, that that's found by trusting in the Lord with all your heart and not leaning on your own understanding. And so, honestly, what that picture really breaks down for me is that you could stay stuck behind the semi for the rest of your life, and, and you'd probably still get to your destiny. I, I don't pretend to know how that all works. I just know it would take a whole lot longer. But someone who is willing to, you know, turn on their left turn signal and pass this semi has to be able to get past the need to understand. You know, we really have to enter into this trusting relationship with the Lord where we say, you know, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding in this. Now, the Lord, he, he, it's not that He wants us to be confused. We know He's not the God of confusion. He's the God of peace. But there are times in our lives where we are not going to be able to figure everything out, and we simply need to trust Him. And I think what you described just a few moments ago is one of those cases where we continue to lean on what He has said and not on what we see. You know, the Bible says that we, we cling to things unseen. We walk by faith and not by sight. And so much of our faith can be 
tempered by what we see. You know, I have friends that say, well, what about this example? And what about this example? And I don't think that those examples are untrue. I just know that there are certain times in our lives where I cannot allow some of those negative reports to influence the way I view the character of God, and especially the way I view the promises he's given to me. Because I believe he's given me some clear promises that, um, you know, he's calling me to stand firm on in the face of what looks like the actual opposite. I think there's a lot of people out there that would say amen to that, you know. And that's the nature of our faith, you know. It's, it's not based on sight. It's the conviction of things not yet seen. So honestly, like, we cannot place our faith in the things we're seeing around us. We have to operate by this conviction of what God has actually said. And so that's kind of what I talk about in the books is what is God saying to you? And, you know, I don't believe he's promising everyone a spouse, but in, in uh, my first book, it's called Seven Signs That God Has Someone For You. I lay out seven clear signs that may be God's way of, of confirming to you that he does has a, have a spouse for you. And I think that's so important because it's very hard to, to be confident about something if you don't know what God is promising. And so, you know, that's kind of the entry road to all of this is, do you know what God is promising you? Have you sought him out and heard his voice clearly about what he's saying he has for you? And in this particular case in relationships, we're talking about, does he have a a spouse for you? When we talk about God fulfilling the desires of your heart, have you seen that lived out in your own life? I definitely have. I would say, you know, for sure, marriage was one of those things. Children, I have four beautiful children. That was one of those things. But there's been some interesting marks along the way where I felt like this moment is it's indicative of a moment to come. It's almost like it's a small victory that I, I was able to, to jump up and down and rejoice in. But it, it, was even, it was even bigger than that because I knew that I'm going to feel this way again in the future, but in a bigger way when I'm able to say, it was all true, all of it. Everything he promised me, he, he's going to bring to pass. You know, he's brought to pass in my life. Just like Joshua was able to say, you know, not one word of all the good promises uh, of the Lord have failed, but they've all come to pass. And that's going to be true in my life. Now, I'll give you one example just very quickly here. Um, my wife and I found out we were pregnant pretty early on after our second child. The surprise to us and all that. So my wife, Corey, went to the doctor and they called back and the previous two pregnancies had been completely healthy, you know, normal and all that. You know, God really blessed us with no complications. Well, after she went to this, you know, early doctor's visit, finding out that we were pregnant, they called back and they said, hey, we we did an ultrasound. They said, we didn't see on the ultrasound what we would expect to see with a child, you know, at your stage in weeks. And they said, we just want to want you to brace yourself for the fact that this might be a miscarriage. Now, I want to just put a caution out there. I'm simply telling what happened to us and not saying, you know, this is true for everybody. But in that moment, for me, um, my wife got that phone call from the doctor, and, and I, I just had this conviction in my heart. I didn't make it up. I didn't just pretend. But I had a conviction in my heart that that was not true, that the Lord had not shown me that in any capacity. And, and I just told my wife, I, I refuse to believe that. You know, I, I'm not trying to deny reality, but at the same time, I had such a strong conviction that this is not true for you, um, but that everything would be okay. And so the hard thing was my wife had to wait a whole week to go back in, which was just so hard on her, you know, as a woman carrying her baby. And so I had some such compassion for her. And unfortunately, it worked out to where we couldn't get a babysitter for that timing. So I, she had to go on her own to that next appointment where they did the, uh, the ultrasound again. 
And I remember when she came through the door back home from that appointment, uh, she was carrying the printed out ultrasound. And she just said, we're having a baby, we're having a baby. And the news was that actually everything was okay. And we had a healthy baby boy, and his name's Luke. He's our, our third child. And But in that moment, I grabbed those ultrasound pictures. I ran out into our front yard. Our, our, our neighbors probably thought I was nuts, but I was in my pajamas even. I you know I hadn't changed for the day. And I'm jumping up and down in the yard. It had rained, so I'm like my socks are muddy. And I'm just screaming, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I, that was the moment where I realized like that was a victory for us. And I was so grateful for that. But it was that sort of short-lived week of, I, I don't think that's true. I'm going to stand on the conviction God has for me and seeing that come to pass within that week time frame, and then eventually Luke being born, you know, fully healthy, that was sort of a picture of what's to come for me. It was that um, clinging to things unseen and seeing Jesus lead us into victory. So. Now that kind of encapsulates sort of just a short window into what it looks like to hear what God's saying, believe what He's promising, and walk in our destinies. Now, I don't pretend to think that everyone should just make up anything that they think that, well, if I just really, you know, think this, this was a conviction of something I didn't see. And I, I believe that was the Lord placing it in my heart, similar to the way that He would place a desire into someone's heart. That's really good. So if people want to find out more from you, if they want to read your books or get a hold of it, where can they do so? Sure. Well, our main you know, platform is called perfectmatchcoaching.com, and you can sign up there for the free resources we have. Uh, we have plenty of videos that we've done on, on YouTube that they can link to. At certain seasons, you know, we have giveaways of the books and things like that where someone could check it out there. But yeah, perfectmatchcoaching.com would be there. We're on Facebook, too, if someone wants to... Um, you know, follow along for, for our next release. My wife and I are in the process of writing a third book called Forsaking All Others, How to Have a Marriage Worth Leaving All Behind. So, you know, anyone wants to follow, that that would be the great place to do it. But really, ultimately, regardless of, of any of that, truly just wanting us to believe that the Lord is a good Father, that we don't have to fear that He's going to give us the opposite of what we want and what we ask for. And uh, I agree, you know, Taylor, it's like, we want to make sure our desires are whole and pure. I would never tell someone that a sinful desire is right. I mean, hopefully that's clear. But, you know, you have someone that says, man, I, I just, I desire to have a husband. I desire to have a wife. And, and, I, and I have since, I, you know, I've been a girl and those kinds of things. And you ask them, well, what has God promised you? Have you, have you pressed in? And uh, a lot of times they're just not sure because they, they haven't had this confirming word from God. And so that's where this book, Seven Signs That God Has Someone For You, I think is pretty imperative to to sort of lay out these seven signs and say, has God been doing any of this in my life? And maybe, you know, this is this is confirmation that what I desire is actually what He's going to fulfill. But the key is, am I delighting myself in the Lord? Um, because as that verse says, that's when, you know, He'll uh, give us the desires of our heart. Fantastic. Well, Wes, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been great to talk with you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Taylor. Yeah, God bless you, and thanks for um, all that you guys do. You've been listening to Wes Raley on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. 
We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.